Now, I don't know about you, but whenever I get that reminder from my home or car insurance provider that my annual premium is due, I just want to scream. Okay, maybe a little bit of an exaggeration, but it's a bore. Well, what if we actually thought about insurance as a tool for good? Hello, I'm David Weston, host of Energy Enablers, and for this week's episode, I talked to Andy Cox, head of energy transition at insurance broker Howden, to learn about why insurance doesn't need to be the necessary evil, but can actually help make projects more bankable and accelerate the transition. I sat down with Andy on a warm afternoon in December at the COP28 negotiations in Dubai. You may hear the hum of air conditioning units, but I'm sure you can understand it was quite hard to escape them. We talk about how to change the perception of the insurance sector to really drive those investments into the energy transition. I hope you enjoy our chat. Uh, Andy, thank you so much for joining us on Energy Enablers here in Dubai. We're talking about the insurance sector uh, and its role in the energy transition. Is the insurance sector um, a willing participant in the energy transition? Look, the insurance sector, David, is more than willing. Um, If you just look back at history, actually, and and insurance as a sector and their involvement in some enormous moments in in time. So you think about securing trade routes 300 years ago. You think about the Industrial Revolution itself. Now we've got one of the biggest, if you like, um, existential threats, and insurance is absolutely ready to step up and and play its role. And uh, I mean, we often describe insurance as a force for good in so many ways, um, you know, wanting to be a beacon, if you like, and that's the role we play. Mm. Shining a light, really, I, I guess, uh, on the role that insurance can play in the energy transition. Because traditionally, and, and in fact, here and now, people aren't, haven't really thought enough about insurance. Sure. It seems to be more that uh, maybe that annoying little brother, an afterthought insurance. Most people don't like it when they're uh, car insurance renewal comes through every year. How do we change that perception about insurance as being just that annoying little must-have? Yeah, and I think that's down to a lot of that's down to education. Um, a lot of people, as you say, when you think of insurance, you think about um, protection. And actually, what people aren't so used to is thinking about how can insurance be used to de-risk. So, if you like, move and transfer risk away from the problem onto an insurance balance sheet and ultimately lower a cost of capital. And what that does is make financing so much easier, uh, a much lower cost. So it's a, for me, it's a, an education point that people haven't really thought about insurance in that way up to now. How has the insurance sector uh, changed uh, and evolved in response to the changing landscape of energy production and consume, uh, consumption uh, and the energy transition? Yeah, so these traditional, what I'd call traditional lines of insurance, um, so if it's like business interruption, property damage and so on, they continue to be really, really important. I mean, at the end of the day, big infrastructure projects necessary to be built for the energy transition will not get built without that traditional insurance. That's that's a fact and will remain so. But how insurance has kind of evolved in a number of different ways. So in this area of financing, um, so in other words, creating new products that can, as these new technologies come to the fore, as they start to, the risks start to emerge around those technologies, what insurance is able to do is using lots of analytics and its under, deep understanding and some engineering skills is really start to wrap around some of those risks, create new products that can, as I say, um, transfer that risk risk away from the financing. But there are, there are other ways as well. So cost of capital is one way and very important, but things like people talk about the carbon markets. Um, I mean, just to 
just to talk about the voluntary carbon market, which people talk about as the VCM, the size of that market in terms of trading carbon credits, people are predicting it to be something like 50 billion at its, at its highest end by 2050. That's an enormous market. But insurance is now starting to create, and we've been doing this, um, products that specifically um, protect buyers of some of those credits. So from invalidation product we have, we, we're being asked to think about non-delivery risk and M&A transaction risk in that. So again, the industry is evolving all the time and creating new products. Is it becoming uh, more creative in that sense? Are there more creative products coming along? It's not simply just, as you say, hedging the risk and, and, um, and mitigating so, that risk. So I think traditional, um, traditionally insurance has been very conservative and it's relied on huge amounts of data, um, years of data and knowledge to, to insure and protect against a, a particular risk. I think what's happening is now there's a realization starting in the industry that it needs to be braver. It needs to start step up because it doesn't have that, that banks of data anymore. And that's one of the roles that Howland as a broker is encouraging the industry to do that. Um, but but I, the messages I hear when I walk around COP is people are starting to talk much more about insurance uh, and starting to realize that's the case. And the underwriters are, are saying they're ready to do it. So, And is that attracting a sort of a new type of person into the sector, having that sort of new creativity? Yeah, I mean, uh, absolutely. So I myself uh, am not an insurance expert. I spent my life in, um, in an advisory firm. Um, but uh, yes, people like me, but who understand the sector, who understand the new business models are coming into it, but a lot more people from the engineering sector who can, again, get into the analysis and the analytics and start to understand those risks better and help the insurance company then be brave and step up. So how can insurers manage the risks associated with emerging technologies in the renewables and clean energy sector? Yeah, so um, there's a series of, of, uh, of ways. I suppose one just to point to straight away would be the technology risk. So as I say, a lot of these technologies, including CCS though, including hydrogen and so on, yeah, they're quite nascent really. Um, they're quite low down the, the tech, technology readiness curve. Um, but what's, what's happening is I suppose uh, a lot of time has been spent to understand those types of risks um, and create some insurance products around that to take that risk, that, that, that risk away from those, from those um, technologies. And that can be, you know, when you're, a, 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 I don't know, an immature company, a, more of a startup that's created a new technology and you're trying to get financing for that, that can be quite difficult. But um, again, the market's creating insurance products that can help with that sub-investment sub grade kind of borrowing and the challenge that, that that lends itself in this industry. Could you discuss uh, a little bit how insurance companies are contributing to sustainable finance? And that's other things you mentioned, I think before we started recording, just the huge amount of money that needs to go into uh, the energy transition. What's insurance yeah. role here? Yeah, and, and sustainable finance is right at the heart of where insurance needs to play. Um, and, and just to come back to that enormity of capital, um, I mean, there's lots of figures out there, but people talk about $150 trillion um, dollars by 2050. I mean, the numbers are just scary. Um, and just to bring that down perhaps closer to today, there's something like, um, I don't know, just less than $2 trillion a year being spent, uh, being invested in this sector. But it actually, if we want to get to a 1.5 degree scenario, it needs to be much closer to five to seven trillion right through from now, right through to 2050. So it is enormous. I think the, the thing about insurance here, again, is it, sustainable finance is very much about longer term and 
in the way by playing an insurance into this whole structure it allows people to start to think longer term, start to partner with new ventures um, so that people don't pull out of these, these, um, these ventures because of the levels of uncertainty, because again, insurance can provide some certainty in that. And, and so what sort of products uh, can insurance sort of help with in sustainable finance? Is it, is it green bonds or is there, are there other more uh, environmentally focused financial instruments that you, you are able to work with? Yeah, there's, there's, there's a variety and, and the, the sector's evolving and the thinking around it all the time. Um, I think one of the most important things is for insurance and the uh, banking sector to collaborate much closer together. So actually, if insurance can understand more about the risks that the banking sector aren't prepared to stand behind uh, in these different situations, then it can create necessary products around that. And whether it's getting involved in green bonds, as an example, absolutely, but there's many other ways. But I think, as I say, this is an evolving space, but it's about collaboration and sharing information. And insurance has never really been seen in that light. And, uh, you know, a lot of the financing, the natural natural place to go is the debt market and the the, the, the um, bank lenders. But as I say, I think um, because of the size of that challenge, all forms of capital need to have a place. And that's why insurance, again, is one of those areas that needs to step up now. And are there those forums, are there those opportunities for the insurance sector and the uh, banking and financial sector to work together? Absolutely. Um, I mean, I as an example, I uh, chaired a private meeting we had between a mixture of investors um, lenders and insurance companies talking about this very challenge. And, uh, and there's definitely a desire to do that. Um, and I was very keen in that conversation to get beyond the kind of um, discussion and move into some specific actions. Okay. And, and we took away a number of those to actually make some change. Are you able to share any of those actions? <laughs> Sadly not. It's all Fair. in progress. No, absolutely. Not a problem. Um, the traditional insurance market uh, is key. Um, and at scale to cope with the transition and the amount of capital that's coming through, is the insurance market uh, in a position to deal with that scale of change that needs to happen? Yeah, I think it is. I think, uh, but it's but it's going to need to be brave. I mean, the the size of the market is estimated by Lloyd's at the moment at something like thirty trillion dollars in the insurance sector. So there's enormous balance sheets there to be used. So that's the insurance sector merely in the energy transition. That is the insurance sector full stop. Okay. Right. Um, so that's a, as, however you cut it, that's an awful lot of capital sure. that's not necessarily being properly deployed at the moment. Um, but I think, as I say, um, one of the challenges will be a lack of data. So if you're coming from a, from a world of annual renewal and uh, what is more or less a procurement exercise, uh, and you're having conversations which the industry has always had with at that level of transactional relationship, that's quite difficult when you need to move to much more of a strategic conversation, start to really get closer to the, your clients and understand the risks that are emerging and how they're deploying their capital. That's what the industry needs to do more and more of. Because so, without the data, they need to understand the problem more. Uh, and that means getting much closer to the decision makers and the people that are thinking about where is this allocation of capital happening. Hi everyone, me again. Please do rate and review this podcast wherever you listen. It really helps us out, means we can make more shows like this, and means more people can find us. Also, a quick reminder to subscribe to Foresight Climate and Energy so you don't miss out on any of our other podcasts or long-form journalism. 
and is the insurance sector set up for the pace of change? You know, we've been speaking uh, a lot of conversations here in COP about um, the amount, you know, the, the, the big uh, triple renewables, double in, yeah. in energy efficiency uh, in the next decade almost. Can, can the insurance company keep up with that sort of rate of change? Yeah. No, I think it's a, I think it's a good point. I think, um, I mean, if I just give you an example, we're, we haven't, we're about to announce a big, um, a big product that's relevant to the uh, carbon capture and storage sector um, where we've got underwriters come on board um, to provide a, a facility. Um, and it's been quite interesting that, that um, certainly in initial conversations, the reticence of some of them, so um, it depends who you're talking to. And I think some, some more than others are, are, are closer to the, to the readiness of making those, those decisions. I think others will need more time to be educated and understand and learn. Um, but I think ultimately the insurance market must step up and take those risks. So what challenges now then does the industry face? We talked about sort of a reputational um, uh, challenge. Uh, what other challenges does the, the sector face in supporting the energy transition and how can these challenges uh, be overcome? So, um, I mean, the education point I've already talked about um, it is quite key. I think the uh, one of the other challenges is actually the capacity in the industry. So if you look at the amount of um, capital that needs to be spent, um, even just between now and 2030, to build new infrastructure, which, as I said at the start, needs insurance cover, there actually is quite well known there is really not enough capacity nowhere near in the current insurance market today to service that amount of spend. Um, so that's going to be a real challenge. No doubt people will be self-insuring more. We'll see more of that, more captive insurance happening. But equally, I, I imagine more capital needs to come into the insurance industry sure. uh, and beef that capacity up. Do you see a change in how people approach risk uh, as the need to accelerate uh, uh, the transition increases. Are people going to be more willing to take that, take bigger risks? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think, I think only time will tell. I think it's going to take some time. This education point. Um, I think the risk will naturally um, reduce as people start to understand these technologies more and get more comfortable with them. Um, I think there's, you know, this is a transition after all. This isn't uh, going to happen overnight. Um, so I think we'll get there, but I think uh, if it was needed today, um, we're probably not where we need to be. And are there any untapped opportunities for insurance to further contribute to the transition that are not yet recognised? Yeah, I mean, there are a number. I mean, there's an interesting part of the market. We call it the alternative risk transfer market, um, which is where most of the innovation happens in the sector, um, where and, and therefore m many of the untapped opportunities lie. So if I could just give you an example around um, EV charging, um, there's a product being developed now in a part of the market which is looking to underwrite this for uh, all around the utilization of EV chargers. So um, one, of the, one of the key metrics in an EV charger is the rate of utilization. And in order to break even, the magic number is something like 7%. So there's a way to that insurance can now create a floor there. Um, and so, you know, if, if the rate of, of uh, utilization fell below that, then there can be a payout um, to the to the insured. So that's an example of how they're starting to innovate around these things. But that's a specific piece of the insurance market rather than a, a broad stretch of the market. But there's th it's products like that we're seeing more and more of. 
Andy, thank you. That was a really interesting sort of introduction, I guess, to the to insurance roles in the energy transition. I'd love to talk about your uh, personal background a little bit. How did you said you weren't uh, in insurance before, right? Where did you? How did you get into the sector? What's your background? Yeah, so I I spent seventeen years as a, a senior partner at KPMG in the energy sector, um, combined with doing deals transactions. So that was my background. Um, so I was in one institution. Uh, for the best part of 30 years, um, but very much always in, in this sort of low carbon sector. Um, but I realized, you know, I, I wanted to actually really make a difference and start to look at, look at ways in the market I could continue to be involved in this sector, but actually make more of a tangible difference. So get beyond advising. Um, and that was one of the real attractions um, in the insurance market and particularly in the broking side. Um, and particularly where I, where I am at Howden, where we're very much about innovation and being entrepreneurial, and that's what attracted me. Um, and yeah, it's, um, for me, I've, I've had almost 30 years in low carbon. Right. Um, where did that interest come from? Yeah, I, it's a good question. Um, I guess um, I actually got into it because I was involved in, in some deals in the power sector um, back in the late 90s. And, uh, and just at that point, we started to um, discover renewables. And there was, uh, back in those days, it was, renewables really meant onshore wind in the West Country, in the UK, in Cornwall. Um, and I got involved in some of that. And I actually really enjoyed it and started to understand it a bit more. And then the noise started to grow around climate change. And I guess I haven't really looked back since then and just got more and more in, involved in the sector. How did you get into the energy sector at all? Is it just a case of? Well, it's funny. I was uh, I was actually originally doing. I was more involved in the wines and spirits industry actually okay. in my first few few roles at, at work. But um, but yes, uh, as soon as I got asked to come on board, it was actually the demerger of National Power, as it was, um, was my first experience of energy. Um, but I worked on it throughout my career and, and towards the end, I was uh, the global lead partner for BP. Um, so I worked extensively with them as they started to look at the whole, um, how they create an integrated energy company and their whole strategy around energy transition. Are you seeing a trend amongst sort of uh, new entrants into the either the insurance sector or the energy sector that the climate crisis and the energy transition is quite uh, something that's motivating a lot of people? I think it absolutely is. I think if you look at the generations coming through, um, people can see for different reasons, people have different motivations, but um, certainly um, that gener next generation I speak to are highly motivated by actually seeing what's going on in the sector and getting involved in trying to make a difference. Um, certainly when I started work, people really didn't think about it at all. I think that's completely different. You know, The people that I interview want to understand what are we doing in the energy sector, what's our our state our our involvement? Um, so yeah, the, and, and I guess the other thing is there's so much activity. So the roles that you could take on in that sector and that attract people are so varied. And um, you know, I never thought put it this way, I never thought I'd be working in insurance <laughs> if you'd asked me just a few years ago. Wow. So, but it's an exciting sector to be. Absolutely, and. Uh, as I said at the start, it's going to continue to evolve, um, has such an important role to play. Um, and if we can be innovative and create new solutions, then that's going to be part of the answer. And I enjoy getting involved in new ideas. So we're, we're sat here uh, just on the fringes of, of the COP uh, talks. 
Um, firstly, is there a sort of a growing acceptance there that, or, or realization about the insurance sector that people need to take more notice of it? And secondly, maybe more broadly, do you feel there's the motivation and the energy to make the energy transition a success? So I was particularly heartened listening to King Charles when he himself referred to the importance of insurance and some of the things we're doing in this in this space. I mean, the, our role in um, the loss and damage um, situation, loss and damage fund, is uh, quite significant, uh, and the role insurance can play there by really for quite a small premium of insurance, you can generate a huge amount of available risk capital. And that's quite exciting. And people are starting to realize that. So I come back to what I've said a couple of times is about education. So, um, and the more we can start to talk about that. But I think it, you know, I'm optimistic about the, the energy transition as a whole. Um, you know, simply it has to happen. Yeah. Um, that shift to a whole new energy system has got to happen. And I see insurance as a key enabler to, to all of that. Leads me on to my final question then. When we ask all of our guests on energy enablers yeah. is, will the energy transition succeed? As I, I say, it has to, um, from my perspective. Um, it, it, it's, it, it's not about my generation. Um, you know, and I, I actually think about, um, in fact, there's a podcast that I've just starting where I'm connecting energy, existing energy leaders with um, the next generation of tomorrow. Because those of us that are in that leadership position today, we're going to be making decisions that aren't going to affect us, but are going to affect everyone else coming behind us. And so I've always had a passion for how do you connect that next generation, uh, give them a platform, give them a voice, allow them to ask questions and put them in touch with the decision makers, because we've got to start listening to the, the next generations coming through. Where can people find that podcast? So it's, uh, it's about to be launched. Um, it's from the Energy Circle. Look out for it in January. It's going to, the first one will come out. So, but from the energy circle, but yes. Looking forward to that. Andy, thank you so much uh, for your time today. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. Thanks again to Andy for joining me on the podcast. I think it's a really interesting topic. Is your business involved in the insurance sector at all? Let us know your thoughts and join the conversation with other experts by becoming a Foresight member today. Visit foresightmedia.com or follow the link in the show notes to get a one month free trial with full access. And until next time, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.